Welcome to Engage Arizona. Now is no time to be weary of elections or politics. Arizona has more decisions to make in the critical 2022 election than it did in 2020. The outcome of the next election will set the tone for Arizona for years to come. Candidates are no doubt paying close attention to what happened in both Virginia and New Jersey as they build their campaign strategies. What can voters take away from those results and how will it affect Arizona's next election? Here now is Kathy Harrod and Cindy Dahlgren to discuss the impact of citizen involvement in state elections. Welcome to Engage Arizona. I'm Cindy Dahlgren here with CAP President Kathy Harrod. We plan to discuss the political landscape here in Arizona looking toward next November's election because there's so much at stake, so much that could change state laws and the fundamental economic and social norms of the state. And we'll get to that. We'll talk about all that. But what happened in New Jersey and Virginia earlier this week, uh, two very blue states that voted for Biden by 10 10 to 16 points. Um, One just elected a Republican governor and a lieutenant governor and an attorney general, and the other almost did. And so Virginia flipped the governor, lieutenant governor, AG, and the state house. What does this mean overall in the overall scheme of things, Kathy? It's very encouraging and even exciting news. The main message from The general election in in these states, especially in Virginia, is that parents are an interest group, that parents are powerful, that the election in Virginia between Glenn Youngkin and um, Terry McAuliffe really flipped when Terry McAuliffe said things like, parents shouldn't have a say in education of their children. It's not an exact quote, but I don't have it in front of me, but that's where McAuliffe dissed parents, that parents shouldn't have a role in in their children's education at a time when parents, especially in Loudoun County in Virginia, part of Northern Virginia, we all know that Northern Virginia is the bluest part of Virginia, when parents in Loudoun County were outraged over what's going on with transgender ideology, to put it in that way, with the lack of regard for parents, and so parents just got up in arms, to put it that way, and went out to vote. Uh, I heard one, one woman on the news stories on the election talking about how she was a liberal feminist Democrat and voted for Youngkin because she's a mom. She's a mom concerned about the education of her children. And so very good news. It, it, you can't exaggerate or overstate how good how good this news is that parents, when they engage, when they activate, they can make a difference, and there's a unique power in parents. And let me just say, it also goes to grandparents, because I know so many grandparents that are deeply concerned about the education and the future future of their grandchildren. So um, the election results on Tuesday were awesome. And I think to your point, this is not just a partisan issue, right? I mean, parents, whether they're, you know, Republican or Democrat or something else, they all uh, look at this issue as far as parental rights and educating their children. Uh, They take that very seriously, and they want a say in it. Well, and a core principle of CAP, of course, is that how a parent educates their child is between the parent and God. And we want all parents to have the opportunity to choose the education that best meets their children's needs. But what has happened over the last how many years, and including in this state, is that we have an education establishment, if you want to use that term, that opposes school choice, that opposes educational freedom, that doesn't want, uh, they don't want to break up the education monopoly that in particular district schools have had. So you look at so many social problems as far as in low-income areas. How do we improve the opportunity 
for children in low-income areas to have a chance at a great education. School choice is the answer. And that, but yet the uh, the left, to put it that way, they resist that. They won't vote in favor of school choice programs. So this, hopefully this is a wake-up call. Um, but the powerful teachers unions, the school board association, you know, they got a slap down, to put it that way, on Tuesday night. And so let's see if they learn from their lessons. Uh, I don't know that they are capable of learning from their lesson, the yeah, lessons. And that's kind of my next question is, you know, will they take from this? What you know, I think of uh, the midterm elections when Bill Clinton was president, and after those midterm elections, he swung to the center more and said, Okay, I hear you, I come back. Do we expect that this time to go? Oh, okay, so all these very progressive um, bills that we have, like these two giant spending bills and these other progressive um, legislation they're trying to push through, are will they now? Do you think this gets their attention? I would say I'm not hopeful. And part of that, I heard the, the candidate for governor in Virginia that lost. I heard him making his statement about how they would continue to fight for the woman's right to choose. I put that in quotes mm-hmm. on abortion, that they would continue to fight for their leftist policies. And so this this is not partisan. Let me emphasize this. It's not partisan. This is about um, a backlash against a cultural movement, to put it in those terms, that thinks first that they know better than parents an elite education bureaucracy that thinks they know better than a parent on how to educate their children on what they need to be instructed on, that knows best on that you shouldn't consult parents on if their child is struggling with their uh, their sexual orientation or their gender, uh, that a whole host of things, that it's okay to give children a survey about personal beliefs or what happens in their home without parents knowing about it and so this is this cuts across all political ideologies all faiths um, people of faith people of no faith and so this is just encouraging that it's time to rise up in a sense and take back um, education and make it back to what education is supposed to be and equipping children for the future I think also it is a wake-up call or at least a lesson that we can take away from Virginia. I mean, Arizona can and some other states can that are really on the cusp of losing sort of that pro-life, pro-family majority and at least very, very close. And now with the redistricting and all that, and we'll talk about that, but uh, a lot of things are up in the air and we're very close to um to losing that pro-life, pro-family uh, majority. And I remember talking with our counterpart in Virginia in, right after the 2019 election when they lost um, that pro-life, pro-family majority, and how quickly, and I remember her saying that uh, as soon as they took over, it was 26 years of legislation that was pro-Virginia families, pro-life all these 26 years of legislation that they rolled back in three months, a three-month legislative session there. And so that was that was just 2019. And now I guess the voters didn't like that, you know, and, and it's a good lesson for us to learn too, that voters maybe to really engage and get yourself educated and make sure that you are casting an informed vote. That's exactly right that we're on the cusp of, are we going to be Virginia and what happened in 2019 when they lost the state legislature, they had a very liberal governor and they rolled back pro-life, pro-family laws. They didn't advance school choice. They didn't, they restricted religious freedom. Are we gonna go the way of Virginia in 2022? 
are we going to avoid the two years of misery or however many years it was of misery in Virginia? And Virginia is bouncing back now. But it's let's not go through that Arizona. Let let's um, let let's use the ability that we have, the influence that we have in 2022 to keep our state um, firmly pro-life, pro-family, pro-educational freedom, and let let's make sure we take care of our children. So, how does this affect? I mean, when I say this, I say Virginia, New Jersey, this sort of wave that happened. Um, how does it affect? Arizona's election 2022, as far as how the candidates run their campaigns, maybe even how voters vote and voter turnout, because I know I remember Republican voters were disgruntled after the 2020 election, and uh, they didn't turn out in the Georgia uh, election in January. There was a lot of anger and frustration and confusion. And so does what happened in New Jersey and Virginia um, encourage voter turnout? Or uh, how does it affect Arizona voters well, and hope- candidates? Hopefully Arizona voters will see that all is not lost that your vote matters, that when you go and vote and you vote your values, you can make a difference. I think we'll be unpacking the Virginia experience for the next few months to see exactly what turned the tables. Obviously, the result in Virginia was not expected as recently as maybe even two months ago, uh, that it was, yes, it was a close race, but it was not as close as some thought. And certainly even a month ago, I don't think people would have thought that Youngkin was going to win. And so I think there's a lot to unpack. I also think, though, at least from my observing at this point in time, that those who um, favor foundational principles, that, for example, whether you were supported President Trump or whether you didn't support President Trump, that it unified people around issues like educational freedom, parents' rights, the overreach of the leftist socialist. It, it really sends a message to the whole country, and especially to us in Arizona, that the socialist leftist policies or failures in the American public, the Virginia public, we don't want those policies. And so I hope it shows what happens when you unify. In Arizona, we have so many contested primary races that are shaping up for 2022. And it's going to be extremely important that after the August primary next year, that those who favor pro-life, pro-family policies that unite around one candidate and and not be divided and not let primary politics to put it that way divide people such to the extent that you don't vote your values in the general election in 2022 yeah and to your point Chitterelli wasn't even expected to be a contender i mean new jersey a lot of the uh, networks that i was watching <laughs> they didn't even really cover it too much they were not expecting it to be big news and really they were focused on virginia and rightly so but but they didn't even imagine that New Jersey would be that close. Yeah, so yeah, let's not forget New Jersey. Um, and so when we talk about the liberal parts of Arizona, there certainly are liberal parts of Arizona parts of Arizona that would be akin to New Jersey uh, and the leftist politics of, of New Jersey. So even in a very liberal state, New Jersey is more liberal than Virginia, that the, the conservative candidate almost defeated the liberal candidate for governor. And again, let me emphasize, this isn't uh, necessarily partisan politics. Um, yes, the the individuals running may be of certain political parties, but it's what the candidates stood for apart from their party right. politics. And that obviously in states like Virginia and New Jersey, that the conservative candidate or the more conservative candidate, I will put it that way, drew support from center, center left, you know, had broader support than anyone expected. 
All right. So what are Senators Cinema and Manchin thinking right now? Uh, they're both holdouts in their party. The only reason that uh, president, the president can't get his big spending bills through. Uh, how do the results in New Jersey and Virginia affect them and then uh, us here in Arizona? That will be fascinating to watch over the next week. Obviously, how many weeks are we now that the Democrats in Congress have not been able to agree on the budget, have not been able to agree on infrastructure because of Senators Manchin and Cinema? Senator Manchin seems very resolute. I will say publicly, he's more public in his statements than Senator Cinema has been, but they both seem fairly resolute in what they will support and not support. The Virginia New Jersey election re- results should be a wake up call and should show that you go too far left, you go too socialist, you pack a budget bill or an infrastructure bill with a lot of extra spending, a lot of programs that have nothing to do with infrastructure or basically funding the basic services of government, like they talk about having what sometimes we call Christmas tree bills, that the American people aren't going to stand for it and that the American people are paying attention that the midterm elections, um, the U.S. Senate, of course, is basically tied. The U.S. House, what is it, six or seven seats that will will flip um, the U.S. House from the Democrats to the Republicans. So right now, uh, certainly it looks promising for those of us that are conservative as far as what could happen in the midterms, which is what the 2022 elections are called for the U.S. House and U.S. Senate. But again, you know, people in politics can mess things up pretty easily. So um, a year from now, though, you know, a year from now, we're going to know if we've learned the lessons from Tuesday night, election night, 2021. All right. So what do Democrats do with this upset? So whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, the the concern or the hope, depending on which side, is, okay. they're in charge for another year. Do they... Do they learn from this and go, okay, we, we need to follow what the, um, you know, what the electorate is telling us and what parents are telling us? Or do they double down and try to push through everything they can um, over, this next, over this next year? Um, you know, the concern is that the progressives will force through everything they can. You know, you think about the filibuster, packing the Supreme Court, changing the election laws, which would nationalize elections. So again, if you're a Democrat, you want that sort of thing, and maybe you want your party to do that. And if you're a Republican, then you're hoping that's not what happens. I guess it sort of depends on, you know, how they read this and, and how they want to use that time. Well, be prepared for a lot of spin. We're going to have a lot of spin. That's going to be hard to get at what the truth is. I think doubling down is probably more likely. I think that the Democrat Party is so in the clutches of the progressive left that it's hard for them to get anything done because of that. I don't know that the election results necessarily change that. But when you mention election laws and federalizing our elections, which has not ever happened before, you have one Republican U.S. Senator, Murkowski from Alaska, that is throwing in her support beside behind one of the more leftist-leaning Democrat election bills. So I don't think they'll get to break the filibuster rule. And that's where, uh, you know, at least what we've seen in Senator Senator Sinema and Manchin is that they are listening to their voters in their states. They are sensitive to where the electorate is at in their states. And I respect them for that. Obviously, Senator Kirsten Sinema and I have not agreed on much of anything through the years. But she is listening to where Arizona is at right now and and is um, forging a way that has been surprising 
to many observers. And so I think that that will continue. I think they're going to have a hard time passing any of their far-left radical stuff, but they're going to keep trying. Well, there's just so much going on and so much to take in. Um, How much does the redistricting come into effect? Talk a little bit about that, where that stands, how long that'll take to flesh out, and then what sort of impact it could have on Arizona's elections. So every 10 years from the census, when we have the new census numbers, then that means that each state has to redraw their congressional district lines for the U.S. House and their state legislative lines. So in Arizona, we have the Independent Redistricting Commission. I won't go into the details of how that's formulated, but the Independent Redistricting Commission is five individuals, two Democrats, two Republicans, and an independent. They have produced um, preliminary maps for both the nine congressional seats in Arizona and the 30 legislative state districts. Right now, they they will be going through, um, throughout November, a series of hearings in different communities to receive input from individuals, voters in Arizona, about the maps. The maps right now, it depends on how you want to look at them. Uh, a lot of, uh, if you want to know, if you want to dig deep on this, I would encourage listeners to go to Data Orbital, just Google Data Orbital. They've done a dashboard that looks into what the current lines look like that they're proposing for the next 10 years, whether it's going to be Republican, Democrat margins, that type of thing. And again, I won't go into the nitty gritty of how, what the, the factors they have to consider, but basically we'll have hearings throughout November for, in different communities throughout the state on what they, what people think about the lines. Then the redistricting commission will vote in December on final, the final maps. And then sometime by the end of December, early January, we'll have presented to Arizona, here are the maps. And then uh, candidates have until, I believe, April 4th to file to run for Congress or run for state legislative districts. I anticipate that we will have litigation, that whichever side doesn't like what how the maps came out, they will file a lawsuit, and then we'll see what the courts do. So this is, uh, this is kind of like one of those little-known secrets as far as how it shapes political politics for 10 years. In 2000, this commission did districts that... Many would say favored Republicans. In 2010, most would say that the, the districts favored Democrats. It's one way that Kirsten Sinema got elected to the U.S. Congress because the commission in 2010 crafted a district, what's called CD9, Congressional District 9, that favored Kirsten Sinema just from the, the demographics. That's how she got to Congress. And so now it's like, what's 2020 going to mean? Is it going to favor Republicans, Democrats? Is it going to be even? You know, what does it mean? It's supposed to favor communities of interest, um, have a certain number of competitive districts, geographical lines, you know, so in our state it matters, you know, the Native American tribes being kept together, um, that they have a desire to have enough influence to be kept together. So right now, uh, that's kind of a long answer (laughs) to anything could happen with redistricting, and we'll see what happens in January when we see the final maps. I just think of the candidates who want to run, and they don't even know what what district they would be running in. So, how do you prepare? Know what your, you know, what your electorate is looking for, uh, and the, at the same time that we have so much on the table in 2022. I mean, we have a lot on the line. We've got governor. We're going to choose a new governor. We're going to choose a new AG, uh, Secretary of State. Um, all these um, uh, state house. A seats. There's just there's a, a lot to be focused on, and I think a lot of people because we just went through a presidential election, they're kind of you know election weary or whatever, but they can't be because there's so much 
at stake here in Arizona in 2022. Now, and I encourage listeners, get involved in a campaign. You know, find a candidate that you agree with and volunteer. Help that candidate, whether it's walking neighborhoods, whether it's making phone calls. You know, help a candidate that agrees with your values because they need your help, and it's really important, and it's a great way to get in at a ground level with a candidate and help them. But a lot, you know, 2020 will be a pivotal election year. 2022. 2022 will be a pivotal election year for our state, for our families, for our children, for what happens in the future. And yes, we will hit January with a new legislative session with, again, a lot of critical issues. We've just had the Arizona Supreme Court toss a, 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 the means by which the state legislature passed a law to stop critical race theory in our public schools, for example. So that will be a hot button issue in January, without a doubt. So in the midst of the maps coming out, candidates trying to decide what districts they're running in. There's going to be a heavy legislative agenda because of this court decision. So it, it's and Dobbs and Dobbs and then Dobbs course, December first, we're going to have Dobbs. We'll get the the decision on Mississippi's limit on abortions after 15 weeks by June. Any day now, we'll get the U.S. Supreme Court's decision on the Texas heartbeat law and whether they're going to allow that to continue to be enforced or to to be in effect. And so it it's um. I guess for the political junkie, it's a fascinating time, but it's also a serious time. And it's a serious time that really requires us to be on our knees, to be praying, to be praying for those in authority over us, and to be praying for God to raise up candidates who will be righteous in their deliberations. And, you know, one other point on redistricting. Right now, for example, the maps, there's one area of Maricopa County where it's at least three, if not four, pro-life conservative candidates are all thrown into the same district. And so some of these candidates will be deciding, well, do I move? Mm -hmm. Do I move into a district that they drew me out of the district I've been in? Or, for you know, I, I'm just barely over the line in a new district? I mean, there's so many considerations that go into this. So, again, it's a time for um, to engage, to be prayerful, and to not grow faint, that's for sure. Exciting times. Yes. Well, uh, once things move along a little bit more, those final district lines are drawn and the candidates know where they're going to be running. Uh, we'll talk again. We'll go through this. We have a whole year. That's right. All right. Sounds thank great. You. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Engage Arizona, public policy for daily life. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, rate, and give a review on any podcast platform you use. For more information, visit azpolicy.org.